Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. Astrocast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLB and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to Astrocast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast on the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Welcome back. Robert Ford joined as we are every Sunday by Astros General Manager James Click and uh, some monumental news in your world, James, this week with uh, Mike Krzyzewski announcing his retirement after this upcoming season as a, a, a head coach of, of Duke basketball. A lot of people may not know this. You're from Durham, North Carolina. You're a big Duke basketball fan. Uh, obviously, uh, Coach K has has been a big part of your life, and uh, I'm sure when you were you were shedding a tear or two when you heard the news. Yeah, I mean, uh, this is supposed to be a baseball podcast, so we can move <laughs> on to that uh, pre- pretty soon. But um, yeah, look, I mean, for for sports, for for anybody who uh, aspires to be a, a successful competitor, a successful leader, um, you know, he has set uh, an incredible standard. Um, you know, it's uh, he's basically been the coach there pretty much my entire life. So um, and and for a lot of us. So uh, we have some people in the front office who went to Duke. So, uh, I, you know, we, we we're going to figure out the right way to mourn uh, that. But, um, you know, let's let's talk about some baseball. But yeah, I appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah, no problem. But real quick, uh, has is there anything that you've learned, you know, from things Coach K has said or anything like that in terms of leadership and things that you've been able to take into your baseball career and, and into your job as a general manager? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the biggest thing for me is just how adaptable he has been and how much he has changed, uh, not only with the times, but with his personnel. Uh, and you can see it with, you know, Carlos Boozer, Jay Williams, Shane Battier, like sometimes he would just, he would just talk about how he'd let them play and he wouldn't really set plays or call plays. And they were just talented enough uh, that he would just let them play. And then later with the teams in the, uh, the late, uh, 2000s, uh, that 2010 championship team, that was a much more senior driven team. And, uh, you know, th- those guys go out there and, and win the championship in a very structured way. And then obviously he transitions into where the sport has gone recently with, with a lot of these guys coming for one year and, and, and recruiting very successfully. So the, the adaptability, the, um, you know, the, the, the understanding that there are some tenants and some things that we adhere to all the time. And there's a lot more flexibility probably than, than we like to think uh, in, in terms of what we have to do to stay successful. And, you know, that's something that we're all going to have to do here at the Astros is just constantly reinvent ourselves and constantly change with the game and with the players. Uh, and, and if we can do that and not be uh, stuck in our ways, I, I think we can, we can have a lot of success. 
bad news for the Astros yesterday with the Ledmies DS uh, suffering the fractured left hand on the, the hit by pitch, had to come out of the game. Uh, out six to eight weeks, going to see a, a hand specialist. And, I mean, obviously, you hate to have any sort of injury. That's always a blow. But you think about all the different things that Diaz uh, was able to do for this team with the way he's able to swing the bat and play a bunch of di different positions. I mean, that's a really tough guy to replace even for a short-term situation. Yeah, and, and going back to the basketball analogy, people talk about glue guys a lot in basketball where the guys who just go out there, they do everything and may not show up in the box score. Uh, certainly don't want to call a Lemus a, a glue guy, but his multi-positional flexibility is certainly what he was done with the bat this season has been, been tremendous, but the ability for him to step in wherever Dusty needs him to give guys a rest as we all adapt back to 162 game season is, um, you know, it's been incredibly valuable. It's, it's obviously a really tough break, a, a big blow, um, but it's an opportunity for guys like Robel Garcia uh, and maybe some guys who are down in Sugarland to uh, to step up and, and fill that void for the next six to eight weeks, hopefully six. But, um, you know, we'll uh, we'll update the timetable once we know more. So. Michael Brantley was obviously close to coming back. Uh, it sounded like he was going to be back in Boston, not making the roster move today for Diaz or playing short today. Is the, the hope still that uh, Brantley is activated to take Diaz a spot on, on Tuesday when you open that series? Yeah, we felt confident enough that Mike should be back on Tuesday that we didn't feel compelled to try to rush to get somebody there for, for a one-day thing. Um, and, and I know we are – playing short um but the fact of the matter is that we've played with a 25-man roster for you know 20, 20 or 30 years now uh and certainly don't want to you know just take the extra roster spot for granted but um we should be able to get through today hopefully get a win and then get mike activated for boston jason castro could we see him back from his achilles injury perhaps in that boston series as well Potentially, that's something we're keeping a close eye on. We don't want to put a lot of uh, timetables on this, but uh, he, he is running. Uh, he looks great, feels great. So it's just a question of when is he ready to be active? When is he fully cleared? Uh, you know, does he need a few at-bats uh, to uh, to get himself ready? Or does he feel like he's gotten enough uh, work in with uh, batting practice and things like that? So we'll talk to him this week uh, and, and kind of see what, uh, what he thinks and, and what he feels like he's ready for. I know it's been talked about with Lance McCullers Jr. He's been throwing, but uh, there's talk that maybe there's a sim game on this on this road trip, and obviously that would be a, a big step. Do you have any idea of when that might be for for Lance? Yeah, I think we're targeting uh, in a few days. I, I'd have to talk to Strami uh, just mm -hmm. to up, update that. Um, Lance has been has been awesome. Uh, he, he's come through all the throwing that he wanted to do, feeling better than even he expected. I think so. Um, you know, we want to make sure that we we get him out there as quickly as we can just don't want to rush it uh there, there may be a rehab start in here maybe a sim game um but we're hoping to get him back sometime early in the homestand when we get back saw a great pitching performance in buffalo on friday with zach Grinky, a complete game giving up just the one run i think Grinky. i mean obviously he's he's a little bit of an outlier in, in a lot of different ways but i think he's had such a unique career uh, we were talking about adaptability earlier when you know he first got to the big leagues. He was a hard thrower, fastball slider. That was basically his repertoire, you know, or his best two to his two best pitches. But he's kind of evolved as he, his velocity has decreased. Uh, when you evaluate pitchers, and again, we know Grinky's an outlier. How tough can it be to try and, and figure out? Uh, whether a certain guy might be able to make that evolution or, hey, this guy, you know, even if he pitches with diminished velocity later in his career, still has a chance to be successful. 
It's a really tricky question, and it's it's a great conversation to have, uh, especially with hitters. Um, it was a few years ago with the Rays um, where we were trying to recruit a, a free agent hitter, and we asked him who the toughest at bat was uh, for him, and he said Zach Greinke. And we're like, really? Like, what about you know Degrom and Cole and Verlander? And he's like, no, because. Zach will throw any pitch in any part of the strike zone in any count. And there's just no rhythm. You know, if you're a hitter, it's, it's, it's a, an incredibly uncomfortable at bat, even though he's only, you know, only quote unquote throwing, you know, 90, although <laughs> we still saw him pop at 92, 93 there when he, when he wants to. So it's, it's something where I think sometimes you think it's luck and maybe a guy has a, has a couple of lucky starts in a row or something like that. But with a guy like Zach, who has been doing it for so long, who clearly understands the art of pitching and, and not just throwing, uh, you know, it, it, it leads you to believe that this is the kind of thing that he could continue for a while. And it's a great tradition of pitchers out there who have continued to adapt. Um, you know, certainly don't want to compare anybody to a Greg Maddox, but Maddox was a guy who, you know, also started out his career very, very hard thrower at the time, and then by you know by the time he established himself as a as a Hall of Famer, the the velocity was was a little bit lower. So, there's a history of this, um, and and Zach is certainly adding to that history. Jordan Alvarez in left field today, uh, second time he's played left field. Also did it on the, on the home stand. I mean, that's just so big to even if it's once or twice a week to get Jordan in the field because that just opens up so many more things for you. And I mean, you're able to use the DH day today, Yuli Gurriel getting that DH spot and, and just opens up playing time and, and opportunities for so many other things. Yeah, no question. And it's such a tribute to, to Jordan uh, and how hard he has worked, uh, you know, to, to go basically miss all of last season to get the surgery. You know, sometimes some guys think, Oh, okay, I got the surgery and that will magically fix everything. But he, he realized that's not the case. You know, and he worked and worked and worked, uh, and and this is something that he wanted to do, and to have it on the team is is incredibly incredibly valuable. Um, but but beyond that, just the work ethic that it took uh, it just shows you the kind of guy that he is and the character that he is. Is first base still on the table for him? Is that is that something we could possibly see him do later this year also? Potentially, it's always going to be a conversation about what is harder on your knees, right? Is it the straight line running or, or changing direction uh, in, in the outfield? Or is it the pounding on the dirt and all of the footwork that goes into first base? Uh, I think sometimes we all get a little spoiled with a guy like Yuli at first base and not realizing how much planning and footwork and, and work goes into that position. It is a skill position and it's not somewhere where you can just stick somebody and, and trust them to catch the ball. Um, but we'll keep that conversation going. And if it's something that we want to try, we'll explore it and see what we can do. We've got, um, we've got some really good infield coaches. Um, and if they can, you know, if they can get him out there and, and teach him how to do it, we'll, we'll do it. You got a couple of uh, catchers who are swinging the bat pretty well early in the season down in the minor leagues. Michael Papierski, who's on the taxi squad right now, uh, you know, 321 average with Sugarland, uh, more walks than, than strikeouts. And Corey Lee, who's down at, in, in Asheville, uh, you know, first round pick hitting 319, eight extra base hits in, a, in 11 games so far this year. And catching seems to be even more so now such a tough position to find. Uh, quality, quality big league catching, quality starting big league catching, uh, and to potentially maybe have a couple of guys, maybe more than that, who, who could potentially help you at the big league level in that spot. That, that's significant in an organization. 
Yeah, and and it's an area that everybody is always looking for talent, and to have two guys uh, that that are coming along, and, and certainly don't want to lose sight of the, of the rest of the organizational depth there. But you know, Corey, uh, the reports on him—that's that's usually the first place I go in the game reports uh, when I open them up. Is is he's been on such a roll? It's been it's been fun to read those because he's not he's not getting lucky. He's having really good at bats. He's somebody that Jeff Bagwell even brought up to me on his own uh, as somebody that he's been watching some video on and thought he looked really good. And Pap, you know, Pap has just worked so hard and the pitchers love throwing him. They love the the way that he calls the game. Uh, you know, he did a really good job down there with Oda Rizzi on his rehab start. And so he's a guy that if he continues to improve, we could see him at the big leagues at some point. Draft coming up next month, and obviously things have changed with that because now it's going to be around the all-star break as opposed to usually it's right about this time, uh, you know, and also 20 rounds this year. Of course, a shortened draft last year. It was longer than that before that. Uh, have you started to – I mean, I know obviously there are people in your organization doing so, but have you yourself, have you started to kind of dive in and, and look at guys and, and start to think about maybe those first few picks? It's a little difficult given where we're picking. If we were picking in the in the first round or towards the top of the first round, you could sit down and say, okay, these are the 10 guys that we think are going to be in play for us. Uh, given that we don't pick until number 87, we kind of have to let the draft come to us. And so I've been more uh, focused with uh, Chris Cook, uh, sorry, <laughs> Charles Cook and Chris Gross for uh, uh, on the process and, and kind of, you know, how, how we are planning to handle the draft, how we are going to react we will have the ability to have a break after day one uh where we don't pick but there will be you know 40 or so picks off the board at that point and so we pick about 47th or 50th on day two and so at that point after that first night we'll be able to sit down and say okay these are the guys that we thought would have gone that, that haven't these are the guys that we thought would still be available that, that got picked what does this do let's make a few phone calls see if somebody's expectations have changed now that they're, you know, through the first round, that kind of thing. So I'm more focused on the conversations with them uh, on, on that aspect of things as opposed to the specific players. But very, very soon here, we're going to start sitting down with a lot of video, a lot of scouting reports and talking about who we might be able to pick. All right, James Click, Astros General Manager. Thanks for joining us. And here's to a series win at Buffalo today. Here's to it. Thanks, guys. All right, we'll be back with more of Astro Launch right after this. Summer is here, and the excitement is heating up. Houston Astros single game tickets are on sale now for the remainder of the season. From dollar dogs and Friday night fireworks to bobblehead giveaways and Crawford box home runs. At the wall, looking up. See you later. Make it a summer to remember. Get your tickets and join us at Minute Maid Park. This season is for the age, and we can't wait to spend it with you. Visit astros.com slash tickets for more information and to get your tickets today. And welcome back to Buffalo, New York. Salem Field, the Astros play game two of a three-game series. Great game last night. Our guest today is the Astros bench coach, Joe Espada. Joe, thanks for coming on. Uh, what was it like in, in Buffalo yesterday? Thank you for having me. It was great, man. It was fun watching this guy swings the bat. You know, they were excited. Um, they got into it. They really, you know, embraced the being in a small town, uh, you know, AAA ballpark. The fans were great. You know, the players were, you know, throwing balls in the stands. Just felt like, uh, I don't know, a spring training game atmosphere, but, uh, you know. AAA. Yeah, it was. It was. It was, it was cool, you know. Um, they played really well. Um, and hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll keep it going today, man. And what's the setup like for you guys in the visiting clubhouse? I, I heard they built a, 
like a, a huge area for you guys to work out and, and yeah. change clothes and all that. Yeah, you know, it's it's great, man. It's actually kind of the best in the league. Really? Uh, it has, yeah, he has um, the, the weight room is huge, a separate building. You know, the, the kitchen is in a separate location. Um, you know, it's spaced out really well. Everyone has their own space. Um, I think they did it, you know, they did a really good job. Um, you know, I know I know the fans in Toronto want to see their, their team back, in, back there. But for, for the time being, this is a, is a really nice setup. They did a really good job. I want to get into to what you do specifically, Joe, uh, as a bench coach and as a future manager. I would imagine you're, ta- you're, you're taking in information all the time, and you probably have a better pulse on this team than anybody because you're, you're making suggestions to Dusty and all that stuff. What does this team feel like? Last year – we saw a little different team, but they, they turned on the switch. What does this team feel like to you? It feels like the same team that we saw two years ago. I think everything has come together. I think expectations are high. This is a winning team. They know how to prepare to win. And um, they, they want to continue to show the league and, and that, that we are the team to beat. You know, they, they, that's, they embrace those challenges daily. Uh, you know, my job, we're talking about some of my responsibility. My job is just to keep them engaged, keep them focused. And, and it's, it's actually, you know, it's not a hard job because these guys, they just, they want to do it. You know, it's in their DNA that, you know what, it, we just want to be champions again. So um, some of my, my responsibilities daily is just to get them prepared for a game. Right? Schedules, they go take ground balls, BP. Make, I make sure that they have enough time throughout their day that they can – have time to get their work in um during then during the game i'm just helping dusty with decision making you know he's he's experienced he knows what he's doing but there's something that i might that, that i see that he might need to know you know he's he's open-minded he listens and and so far it's, it's so far he's working really well talking with joe Espada, the astros bench coach what kind of information do you gravitate toward before a series i know you guys have meetings with the infielders or the hitters, the outfielder, what, what, is the, what are the nuances uh, that you want to know about the other team? You know what, Farky, this year we, there's a few teams that we did not see last year. Right. So we play a little bit of catch-up, kind of watching videos from, from 2019, um, some other 2020 performance that, you know, that we did not get to see. So just doing some of that catch-up and, and how we apply it to our team. How can we use some of that information to – to expose our opponent, to take advantage of our opponent, some of the weaknesses, what, are they, what do they do well. So I think this year that's what I spend most of my time with. Um, but when it comes to preparing our players, they want to know, Joe, who's this new guy? Does he run? Does he hit the ball the other way? Who's the bunners? You know, if there's a new pitcher they haven't seen, you know, what's his stuff like? What, what's his tendencies? What's his out pitch? So trying to find that information that gave us an edge, that's what – I spend most of my time with this group, especially being a veteran group, a club that they've played together for so many years. But there's some new things that I need to make sure that I do my research and I provide them that information. So I don't want them to be surprised one day once they're on the field. Hey, Joe, I thought of you yesterday. I heard Bob Melvin being interviewed. And he said one of the things he learned as a manager is he needs to, to change with the game. And he needs to change with the players are a little different. He needs to change with the times, all of those things. What have you noticed? Same thing. You adapt and you adjust. You know, this is a new age of players. They, 
They tend to do things uh, a little bit different. They, you know, and, and so we are just, and, and, and you know, but I, I re always remind the players that, you know, we are just, and, but we also have a job to do as coaches to make sure that the work that we done is quality on the field. So, you know, listening to them, getting to know them in a personal, in a personal matter, you know, instead of just, you know, see them as, as just players only, you know, I, I think empathy and compassion are, are very important. There's a lot of stuff going on off the field that sometimes we get so locked in and, and what's happening that we want to win today's game. But sometimes the stuff that's happening behind the scenes that the players sometimes uh, are not there mentally is because there might be something going on at home. So right. you have to make sure that you spend time with them and get to know what's really going on. So you can actually get the complete product on the field. And, and that's the biggest challenge there is for any coach and manager right now. Not only information that's provided from, you know, front office and the new, uh, you know, the new stuff that is out there, but also, it's, you know, we work, we deal with humans and there's, there's feelings and there's emotions. And we got to make sure that we check all those, all those boxes we go before we go on the field. Man, what a great point. Pedro Leon, uh, you saw him in spring training. Uh, yep. A lot of money. He came, comes over from Cuba. He's the Astros' top prospect. Mostly an outfielder, but you guys got a chance to, to work him out at shortstop in spring training. What did you see? You, you know what? And I've been, I've been watching um, his videos. Um, the, uh, the coaches send me some, some of his daily plays, and I go on the computer, and even, anytime I have a few minutes, yep. I, uh, I check his stuff out. And he's actually playing really well. You know, he's not easy coming from – from Cuba and in you know from any country and 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 learning a new position also trying to perform offensively at a double A level you know so it's been challenging for him but I think he has he has actually handled things really well he's moving around well at short um, I think the you know my suggestion to the coaches I need to simplify stuff for him sometimes we see a kid with that much ability and we think that he's going to be moving around like you know. Uh, you know, an everyday shortstop, he's not quite there yet. So we need to be patient. We need to um, simplify stuff for him and make sure that we stick with our process. And, and you know, sometimes the results are not going to be there yet, but it's a long season and we don't need to get him ready by tomorrow. Right. You know, we do have time. We need to remind him you have time. It's not going to happen overnight. But uh, so far, I like what I see and there's still some work to do. And, and we have some really good coaches in place that can help him through his uh, development. Is one of the most difficult things is to change your arm stroke from the outfield it's a little longer and from the infield much shorter? No doubt. And also, you know, he did not have a really arm, uh, long arm stroke from the outfield, so that hasn't been difficult for him as short. But Farky, for me, it's just more seeing the ball off the bat, his angle, his setup, uh, you know, knowing, knowing the speed of the ball, knowing the speed of the runner, which lane I'm going to get on. You know, knowing, you know, like we shift a lot also in the minor yeah. leagues, learning all the positioning. So it's it's daily sitting down with him and remind him that it's going to take some time. You're doing a really good job. Let's learn this first before we move to this next, you know, step in your development. You established a baseline with Jordan Alvarez, looking at him as an infielder two or three years ago in spring training. Where is he at right now compared to then? You know what, uh, Jordan, is, Jordan, just like Leon, is a really good athlete. You know, the thing about Alvarez is, not like Leon, you know, we have to be careful with, you know, with his injuries, with his history. 
you know, for me, uh, I think Galvary uh, one day might be capable of getting back at first base and be, should be able to play some first base. But right now, getting him on the field, getting him to play some outfield, one he, once he shows us that, hey, I'm good in the outfield now, let's go to the infield dirt, let's start taking some ground balls, and let's see where we at. But again, it's, you know, we got to be patient. And for me, the most important thing is having Alvarez on the field, you know, at the plate on a daily basis. How do you, Joe Espada, keep guys that are mostly bench players positive and ready? You know, conversations, man. I, I talk to those guys every single day. Let's go out. Let's do early work. But they do want to play. And I understand when they're like, Joe, you know, I want to get, I want to get in them. I just be patient because the opportunity will come. We've got a 20-game stretch here coming up in the next couple of days. You're going to get an opportunity to play. Our offense at any point scores 10 runs, 12, 13 runs, just like you saw yesterday. You find yourself in the game picking somebody up. So uh, for me, it's just, I want, you know, just conversation and, and just be patient. Let's go out there, do our early work. I'm going to keep you sharp. So once you get on, on the field, once your, your opportunity comes, you're going to be ready to play. There you go. Joe Espada, man. You guys are doing great. Keep up the great work. Thanks, Sparky. Thanks for having me, buddy. Robert Ford, Steve Sparks, the Houston Astros on your radio all summer Long. And that is the ball game. Zach Greinke throws his 17th career complete game and his first nine-inning complete game in six years as the Astros pour it on the Blue Jays, winning this one 13-1. Greinke, a smile on his face as he bumps fists with Maldonado at the mound, and the Astros have won five of their last six. Just how did it feel to, to go out there and pitch the ninth and just have the trust in yourself to do that, but also, you know, have Dusty have that trust in you? I mean, mainly I still felt really good. Arm felt strong. Didn't uh, mechanics felt good still. All my pitches were good. But for the game, it was just getting the head, and a lot of balls were hit like pretty hard. There was no mistakes defensively, and just a lot, a lot of quick outs. Not like the softest hits, but it just worked out good. And then got two, two outs on the bases, which is nice too. So uh, kept the pitch count down for all those reasons. Zach, are you surprised at all by your endurance at this stage? And are you doing anything different that's helping you to have this kind of endurance go deep into games? This is one of the first times where I felt really strong still at the end. Most most games, I've been like getting a little, a little bit tired uh, later in the games and not quite as strong. Where Today was the first day where it felt just as good, if not better, in the last inning as it did in the first inning. And that happened a decent amount last year, but this is one of the first times this year where that's happened. What's it like when you're sitting in there and you're watching those guys scoring runs in bunches? Yeah, I mean, our offense is great. I didn't really watch too, too much of uh, today's game, but I was kind of in the, in the tunnel uh, just to myself. Uh, There's a, there a lot of runs. Zach, you and, uh, and Maldonado work together, obviously, in Milwaukee. What has it been like these last few years getting to work with him again? And just how has that relationship, uh, I guess, been strengthened over these last couple of years? Uh, it's always been good, but these last uh, five games, we felt a lot, we've been feeling a lot better with, with stuff. Uh, and so the last five games, there hasn't really been any miscommunication or, I mean, everything's great. When I shake, he puts down like what I want the very next sign so uh it's been really good and then i mean the biggest issues the last couple games is when i have shake shake 
I probably should have thrown what, what he felt. And uh, we've been on, on a good good rhythm, though, last five games, better than ever. Is there anything you attribute to the last five games? Why why you've been in such a good rhythm with him? Uh, we talked a little bit of, like, a decent amount about, like, uh, when I want to use certain pitches and uh, where, where I want to throw them. So he's kind of – I mean, we've always done that, but, like, we kind of, like, cha- changed it up about five stars ago on how, how I wanted to pitch, and he – has gone along with it and it's been, it's been working. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how long it'll work for, but it's been, it's been working pretty good uh, since we kind of changed that up. Did Carlos give you the game ball at the end there? And, and did he say anything to you as he kind of hugged you on the mound? Uh, I can't remember if he said anything or what, or I can't remember what he said, but yeah, he gave me the game ball. So I got that in my bag. Do you know what you're going to do with it yet? Uh, I'll try. I'll try to keep it, but ninety plus percent of the time, I'll end up losing it somewhere. Steve, have you heard anything about Diaz this morning? Yeah, I mean, uh, just heard that you know, left hand fracture, and um, he'll be out approximately six to eight weeks. I mean, it, it really hurts, and uh, you know, um, you know, he's seen a hand specialist this week, and so. Um, you know, all our prayers go out to him, and you know, I went down and prayed by the water about Lake Erie yesterday that that it wasn't too serious or take too long. It's kind of a downer, you know, because he's such a valuable part of this club and a valuable person you know, on the club. So, um, you know, we got to find a way to, you know, push on. I mean, you know, we're going to have to make a move to activate Michael. Um, in a couple of days, so uh, it sort of prevents that. So you know, we'll see. Like I said, it's kind of a downer, but hey, man, we got to keep pushing on until we get him back. In terms of that, like that bench guy who fills in a lot for, for your regulars, how do you, how do you intend to fill that role with Diaz? Out? I don't know, man. You know, um, you know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, somebody else got to step up. I mean, this gives somebody else a chance to to prove themselves and also to, um, you know, to add to their their value, you know, to this club. And, uh, you know, I mean, not only do – I don't know if you can really replace what he does. Uh, everybody else just has to pick up more to slack and do more themselves, you know. Um so, I mean, that's the bottom line. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. I'll just tell you that right now. So, um, you know, we're just going to have to come together even even closer and tighter, you know, than we are. Mark Berman. Dusty, have you had a chance to talk to Lemus? How's he, how's he handling all this? No, I haven't talked to him yet. He's, um, uh, you know, he's on his way in now. Um, so... Uh, I, I wanted to talk to him last night, but, you know, he was in a lot of pain and I was just going to wait till today. A couple of guys have texted him. Um, so, I, like I said, I'll wait for him to get here and then I'll, I'll talk to him then. McTaggart. Who's coming up today? Uh, do you make a roster move today to get somebody in here to, uh, for his spot? Uh, 
Probably not. You know, like, you know, we're off tomorrow, so we discussed it. You know, it had just been, you know, too much to get somebody in here for one day and then send them back out. And then we're wrestling with maybe uh, activating Michael today, you know. Uh, so, you know, that one day is important being an off day tomorrow. He's, this, he's scheduled to run the bases today. He's doing that right now. So we don't want to put that added workload on him and then maybe take a chance him hurting it. So we'll just play short and uh, no surprise, uh, you know, we'll be full force on Tuesday. Jake. So just, just to follow up on that, if, if Michael comes out of today all right, you expect him in there Tuesday? Uh, we'll see. Yeah, I'm hoping to have him in there. I'm not expecting, but I'm hoping. So. You don't have Straw in the lineup today. Um, I mean, I don't know how you handle this. Is that in any way about what happened yesterday on the on the slide at all? Or is it just uh, no, no. Nah, he was off anyway. I, I told him, you know, I don't do that. You know. You, you know, you punish animals and kids. You know, you don't punish grown-ups. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, uh, and, and that may not sound right, punishing animals, but if, if my dog don't, you know, you can strike that because some people are you're animal activists, but it's like, you know, if we're hunting and, and my dog doesn't, doesn't act right, I mean, I don't, you know, I chastise them and that's it. But I didn't, I, I asked Straw what happened yesterday. And uh, after the game, because uh, it was after, in the shower after you guys had already asked me. And, uh, and he told me that, and Carlos was there, and he told me he didn't see him because he was blocked out by the umpire, and he didn't hear him. And so, uh, you know, Straw's not the kind of kid that's going to alibi or make excuses. So, uh, you know, I took him for his word. But at the time when you guys asked me, I hadn't talked to him yet, so. No, it has nothing to do. I mean, what he's played every game, but one or two. Yeah. You know, and so this is a way to give him. I mean, it looks looks bad, but just how it is. Give him a way to give him, um, you know, two days off with an off day tomorrow. Your rotation, right, your rotations carrying through for next series. Uh, yeah, it stays the same. You know, it's Framber. Uh, Odorizzi, and then Grinky. Astrocast is poured for you by Carbach Brewing. Get highlights, interviews, the latest news surrounding MLB, and your Astros. Brought to you by Carbach Brewing. Looking up. See you later. Into the Landry's Crawford boxes. Subscribe to Astrocast. Expecting a great season with this Astros team. The official podcast of the Houston Astros. It's going to be a lot of fun the whole way. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend 
or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.